2: AC and The
3: Sixth Doctor Hi everybody and it's not uh, The Sixth Doctor Um, as was mentioned last week he is unavailable he's doing dramatic uh, work with his little Troop of uh, actors, and um, it's me. and we told, and I'm missing Oh Kirsty Pixel, who was going to be my uh, love interest for the day. But never mind. I have um, a full room here with me, and helping me out as a co-host today is Mr. Darth Skeptical. Hi, Darth. Hello, Dave. Should I even ask who the hell
4: Kirsty Pixel is?
3: It's the alter ego of our esteemed host. Ian the Sixth Doctor. Yes, uh, he says, if oh. I'm going to have a second life, why be a man again? Why not uh, experiment with the other side? Indeed. So, uh, I so, and I it think, provides I,
4: you with a date, so there you go.
3: Well, yeah, a, a cheap date as well, because I can pay him in <laughs> Linden dollars. <So>. Wow. <laughs>
4: well, if anybody's a cheap date, it must be Ian.
3: <laughs> yeah, he brings his own wine as well, so that's that's another plus. Excellent. Anyway, um, great to have you here in the room, and we've got a pretty full room. And uh, let me go down the list, as it appears to me, in no particular order of merit. But the first one is Mr. Mandathorpe. Mike. Hi, Mike. Oh, can we meet?
1: Hello, Dave.
3: <laughs> that almost worked. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was like um, the the sort of special effects that you might have uh, got on, uh, well, not Book Rogers, is it? Flash Gordon, is it? Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> so, great to have you here, and we've also got uh, Logan in the room. Hi, Logan.
0: Good afternoon, Dave. How are you? Hey, anyone Fine. else out there?
3: Good to have you, and good to have you on mic today. And we've got our unsporty lady who was unable to uh, run the whole race with us last week. It's Romana too. In
5: the morning. Hello
6: Hello, boys. Yes, I wasn't here because I find sport absolutely boring as sin. The only sport I do like watching is male gymnastics and that's just because I'm a perv.
3: (laughs) Radio. (laughs) <laughs> Something I to say that. and uh, we've got uh, uh, a fairly new uh, entrance into the field it's mythic doctor who our doc who hi hey how you doing Dave Anthony here and, uh, and welcome to the Colton Collective uh, uh, I think you've been here before but uh, you're one of our fairly newbies so welcome glad to have you on mic thank you very
7: okay. much okay
3: Uh, And we've got Rick Wall, who's fast becoming one of our uh, long-time listeners. Hi, Rick Wall. Hello, guys. How are you? Good to have you here. It's um, nice to to get the regulars back and back again. It means we must be doing something right. (laughs) And we've got Charlie P79, another regular. Hi, Charlie.
8: Hi, Dave. Hi, everybody.
3: Okay, and um, right at the bottom, in the audio section at least, is Mr. Tim Tim Jory. Hi, Tim.
9: Yes, hi, Dave. I've been having another afternoon and evening of um, Doctor Who DVDs, but I've taken off my mask of Mandraga and I've stopped dripping with waters of Mars and I'm ready to take part in the show.
3: Ooh. Oh, clever. Clever. Ah, I spent so, a couple uh, of days thinking that one out.
5: <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, it worked. It was good. And uh, now we're going to move to the people under the cone of silence.
6: Control new agent training program Section 3.5 The Cone of Silence
10: To activate Simply lower the cone And speak clearly What? Do not overuse The Cone of Silence What? Do not shout In the Cone of Silence What? In fact Don't even use The Cone of Silence What? It's never worked right I don't know
6: why We bought it in the first place Get smart on TV Land.
1: Section 3.6 The portable Cone of Silence What?
3: And we've just got two people in there, and very welcome they are two. We've got Diane DM Walling. Nice to have you here. Maybe you'll come on mic later, but uh, thanks for joining us. And we also have in the room guest 13. And that pretty much makes up today's Cultum Collective. And just to remind you, you can dial in to the Cultum Collective on 724-444-744. The show ID is 54821. Um, you can also catch us from uh, iTunes. We seem to be doing reasonably well. Um, I was told by uh, Logan and uh, Rob White only a couple of days ago that in the um, live listeners, uh, Colton was uh, number 80 in the top 100 um, live participant uh, category of uh, Tortu. Didn't quite make the 100 list in uh, actual uh, downloads, But uh, we're not far off. We're just bubbling under the the 100 mark there. And um, thank you to all the people that do download later. So with that, uh, I've just got a couple of apologies I've already mentioned. Sorry, one more apology. I mentioned that Ian can't make it. Hopefully he will be with us next week because it's his topic of choice. Um, It came from the future. So we'll look forward to having him back. We'll soldier on without him. And we've also got an apology from uh, Graham. That's Jokerfile Media. Sometimes known as The Second Doctor. And um, he does his Professor Howe podcast. Uh, But he has sent in uh, one or two uh, remarks. Because um, he had wanted... Quite uh, to make quite a few um, messages into uh, the sport one last week, so he couldn't do that. So he sent uh, a little bit for me to read out later. So with that, I think uh, unless anybody's just dropped into the room while I've been nattering away, now we can go to the news. Okay, and we're going to start off with my co-host Dar. Well,
4: um, some interesting stuff in the world of uh, science fiction movies, at least. Uh, We have Roland Emmerich, who's rolling out his plans to do his uh, trilogy of the Foundation Trilogy, um, which is, of course, one of the more, to pun a phrase here, foundational science fiction trilogies in print, uh, written by Isaac Asimov, and he's saying that it will be almost entirely CGI, much like... Uh, avatar. In fact, probably using some of uh, James Cameron's avatar technology. So that's interesting. If you're a fan of hardcore print science fiction, that we might finally get um, some form of foundation trilogy on screen. Um, we also have uh, a little bit of news from the world of comic books in that uh, The Losers, which is uh, based on a Vertigo comic book, um, <laughs> is coming out a little bit later than we thought. It was originally supposed to have been um, coming out in April, and instead it's been moved back to June, which I don't know how I feel about that one exactly, because it might be, therefore, in the middle of lots of other big films, and I'm not sure how well placed it will be in June, but nevertheless, that's where it's going to be. I have some early um, information on Star Trek the sequel, whatever they're going to call it, and uh, the reboot of Spider-Man, both of which are going to be released on the same weekend in July of 2012, I believe it is. Or 11, I'm sorry. Um, And that's not good. (laughs) For me, at least, because I don't like having to make a choice like that. Um, And then finally we have uh, a little bit of news from the world of d c comics um you know d c is as we've reported long ago, maybe not even on this show but on the one that we all previously attended um, Superman is a difficult concept for um d c and especially nowadays because they've lost a recent court ruling which means that in fact more of the rights in fact all the rights are going to revert to um, their uh, surviving one of the two surviving creators I'm not surviving one of the two creators estates um and because of that they uh, d c that is Warner Brothers has only a limited amount of time in which to make a new um superman movie and they have never really known what to do with Superman since Donner did his original two uh films. So now they've called in the biggest gun they have, which is Christopher Nolan, the um, sort of godfather of the Batman reboot, and he's going to be coming on board in some capacity probably not to actually direct, but in in some way he is going to at least philosophically reboot the franchise. He's going to be in charge of finding the pathway for this thing so that they can actually get it released because they're facing a bit of a clock now, and they've got to get something out there that's worth doing. If they don't, then they lose the rights um, really entirely to Superman in certainly the film arena. But at any case, sometime soon, they've just lost the rights entirely. Um, So that's my little news. We also have a a little bit of news from the world of Green Lantern uh, casting, and I'll throw that one over to Logan if I can. Thank
0: you, Darth. Uh, We've talked a little bit about it on the show in the past here. As a lot of people know, Martin Campbell is directing a big-screen Green Lantern film starring Ryan Reynolds and Blake Lively. Also stars Peter Sarsgood as Dr. Hector Hammond, who's going to be one of the villains in the film. Well, this past week they announced that Hammond will get a father. And that father, some casting news, will be played by Tim Robbins, who will play Senator Hammond, the disapproving father of Hector Hammond. So just they're they're working to fill out that casting and everything. They've got some good name actors out there, and they will start filming next month, and the movie will be released June seventeenth,
3: two thousand eleven. Oh, excellent! Well, big big name cast that really isn't he? I mean, uh, I remember him from Shaw, is it Shawshank uh, Redemption? And
0: Shawshank Redemption. Uh, the most recent thing I've seen him in was uh, Tom Cruise's War of the Worlds. I'm not a big Tim Robbins fan myself, but I'll go see it because he's my, he's going to be in my super my favorite superhero film.
3: Okay, uh, right, uh, let's go to uh, Tim then, please. Ooh,
9: quite a bumper bit of news this week. Um, let's see, lots of links to find here. Flash forward. I have a headline on Total Sci-Fi Online that says, Trio to oversee curtailed flash-forward season. Uh, This is... uh, Is is it still the first season of flash-forward? Yes. Well, yeah. They've reduced the the length of it from 24, then they said 23, but now they've decided on 22 episodes. So I'll put that um, in chat. Um, what else have we got Tom Cruise and J.J. Abrams to reunite to make Mission Impossible 4 Uh, well really there's so many of these I'll just give you the headlines and put the links into chat really okay and the other main thing I've got is that's news and the other two things are just sort of plugs for things uh, lost Daniel Day Kim to join Remake of Hawaii 5 which is news to me. I didn't even know they were remaking Hawaii 5 And the other two things are sort of plugs, because we're now just uh, a week away from uh, me losing a lot of sleep and staying up to two in the morning, because it's the uh, Spring Gallifrey and Embassy Podshop meetup in Second Life, uh, one, one week from now and one week before several of the people at that meetup will be heading to the, the actual Gallifrey Convention in Los Angeles, which I will hopefully be at next year, and Romana will be at this year. And the only other thing I have, why well, I've got a couple, was it a couple of things? Oh, yeah, it was just one more thing. Uh, that's that um, over on the UK digital channel Watch... Uh, they're having what they call an Alien Invasion Week. And I'll put the page about it into chat. And on their website, uh, they have posted a free, um, it's only a short thing, a few pages long, comic of Torchwood. So yeah, I I'll was, put that link in chat as well.
3: Yeah, I was mentioning that to, uh, to so Mike. his that anyone project that's... On
9: that either missed Children of Earth or hasn't got the DVD or the Blu-ray, they'll be showing Children of Earth. I think they started yesterday, but the way they show these things over and over, no doubt there'll be a chance to see it all again in the coming months.
3: Uh, do we know that whether it's regional? I mean, uh, and I don't think the magazine is, but the, the, the channels are presumably region-locked to the UK, aren't they?
9: Yeah, yeah the channel will be region-locked. So, unless, unless you're particularly clever with the internet, you'll have to be in the UK to catch that one. Is that it, Tim? Um, yeah, that's it for me as far as news is concerned.
3: Right, just to, to add a couple of things in there, because uh, um, before we go to Rick Wall, um, with re- reference to the the, uh, the galley thing, um, uh, Podshock have just put out... Uh, Lewis has been really working out, because Podshock 182 only went out a few days ago, and I noticed today 183 has gone out, which is presumably going to be their um, galley 21... Uh, preview, a foretaste of of what's to come. And since you were talking about films coming out, not really a science fiction one, but um, on the Jonathan Ross show, they had Jeff Bridges, who's one of the nominated actors for the Oscars. Uh, And the next film he's going to be working on, might surprise most people here, it did me, is doing a remake of uh, True Grit, the John Wayne film. And he's playing the John Wayne character in that. Not science fiction, I know, but... um, I thought it was quite unusual when I heard it. So, there you go. Mm-hmm. And Oh, and uh, one other thing about when you talked about um, that other film that um, eventually is going to be remade, the last studio show we did in Cult Them was Cult Them in Limbo, where we talked, uh, myself, uh, Ian, and uh, actually Mike Vanderthaw, who's in the room, we were talking about ten films that are in Limbo Hell. So that's one of the occasional studio shows. Uh, for people to catch. right, thanks for that. We'll uh, just see uh, Rick Wall, I think, next. We've got some noises from somewhere. Rick? Yeah, um,
2: I don't have any uh, news since um, um, Darth mentioned uh, the Foundation uh, uh, movies, but I did put up a link to it. I'll put it up again if you guys didn't catch it. All right. Um, I thought that was interesting. I just hope that uh, it doesn't turn out to be another uh, iRobot situation where somebody wrote the uh, script as something else and the producer said, Oh, great, let's put uh, Isaac Asimov's name on it and the name
3: of one of his books in it and people will come. Yeah, right. I mean, some of these films, the gestation period is is absolutely unbelievable. I mean, I'm still waiting for them to get round to doing. although well, I think it's Arthur C. Clarke, isn't it? Rendezvous with Rama. I've been waiting for that film for ages, and that was talked about at least five years ago. So, there you go. Okay, uh, Rowan, I'm going to unmute you. There was just a little bit of noise before. Uh, Rowan, is there any news you want to add?
10: Ah, sorry about that. I'm over at a friend's place and the phone call phone rang.
3: <laughs> okay. Usually it... I usually
10: I have it on mute. But uh, anyway, what uh, i is... is that uh, we're trying to get a petition signed to get David Tennant to carry the torch in the 2012 Olympics. Um, if people are interested, they can go online at http forward slash forward slash www dot Online.com forward slash Dr. WH2012 forward slash. We're trying to get, uh, we just found out that Mythic said his number was 2733. So we're trying to get a whole lot more people to find this. So uh, I wanted to just get the word out there. Yes, we want to turn fear her into reality.
3: Okay, uh, right, and I'll Carol. put that as yeah, we're there. I'll put that in as a clean link. Uh, whenever people are trying to put uh, an actual link, it's better if you put the text in a separate one, uh, like mythic. Who, uh, you know, and and then put the link uh, clearly um, separate. But thank you for that. So that's um, www.petitiononline.com dot com forward slash drwh twenty twelve forward slash. Thank you for that. Okay. Well I think that that pretty much uh rounds up um all that. There's just one thing I want to just mention really? before we go Hold on. Hello?
1: Oh that sorry, it was, that was me.
3: <laughs> okay. Sorry. Did I miss you? Did uh did you want to come in with something?
1: Yeah, there was uh there were two quick stories that
3: I had. Right. Sorry. <laughs>
1: That's okay. Uh, First of all, BBC Radio 4 are currently preparing a documentary about uh, former Doctor Who script editor and author uh, Douglas Adams called The Doctor and Douglas. It will look at uh, Douglas Adams' life from a teenage fan of the program in the 60s to writing and script editing for it in the late 70s. No word yet on when it's supposed to be available. But that's the uh, Doctor Who bit of news that I have. The other bit of news has to do with uh, superhero movies. Uh, with the news. I, I'm sorry Mike oh, I, thought, go ahead. Go ahead. I'
4: thought that they gave a, a date of well not exactly a date but at least a month of release as march
1: oh they I might have missed that I
4: don't know nevertheless, check your local schedules
1: yeah, local <laughs> schedules, <laughs> yeah, the other bit has to do with the upcoming uh batman three movie uh, um some there was a plot outliner the the plot outline for the movie has been i think has been done, and one of the someone who describe themselves as one of the plot outliners who wouldn't say a name, of course, but they came out with some possible details about the movie, and they are pretty much fall in line with what we had expected. First of all, the, uh, the Riddler is primarily is, is the primary villain and figures out Batman's identity. The second one is that Arkham Asylum will figure prominently in the story, which kind of makes sense given the uh, the... Batman Arkham Asylum game that came out last year. Several classic villains will have cameos, including the Penguin and Mr. Freeze, though the latter will be Dr. Freeze before the accident. Uh, Barbara Gordon will have a, will have a featured role, and Commissioner Gordon will have passing references to Metropolis and possibly Lex Luthor. And the last bit is that, uh, is that Dick Grayson may be in the movie, although not as Robin. So that rounds up my news there.
3: Okay, thanks for that. And I'm sorry I, I skipped over your name there and I've written it down. Never mind. Um, mm, that's okay. okay, well, um, before we go on to the main topic, and just for those who are uh, coming in late, um, it's obviously Love in Sci-Fi as we're on Valentine's Day. Um, this is not a news item, but it, it, it was... Um, in fact, the timing of it was rather bizarre, I thought. In my Sunday paper, The Sunday Times, there's an article about Doctor Who, and people will know that um, we're strong followers of Doctor Who virtually uh, right across the board in this uh, Colton Collective, whichever group of us happens to be present. And um, the item is called Doctor Who in War with Planet Maggie. Now, <laughs> I got the name of a new uh, um, Matt Smith story. Uh, it's rather bizarrely um, Sylvester McCauley, the seventh Doctor, Uh, reportedly in an interview talking about how there was a lot of um, political um, digging going on at Margaret Thatcher, who was um, obviously the Prime Minister at the time uh, of the Seventh Doctor. Um, And I'll just read a little bit about it because I don't know particularly why um, this story. came out in the open just now. It doesn't say where uh, Sylvester McCoy was uh, reportedly saying this. I don't know whether he's appeared at a conference just recently or whether he was sort of cold-called. But um, I'll just give you a little bit from the beginning. Um, Sylvester McCoy, the actor who played... Dot Who, for two years in the 1980s, has revealed the left-wing scriptwriters hired by the BBC wrote propaganda into the plots in an attempt to undermine Margaret Thatcher's premiership. His uh, revelation will reinforce suspicions about the antipathy with which the corporation had to Thatcher's government. Uh, Norman Tebbitt, the then Tory party chairman, claimed at the time that the BBC was in the hands of the Marxist Mafia. Um, And they talk about... um, um, uh, One said that John Nathan Turner, uh, when he was interviewing people who wanted to be on the script, uh, what he hoped to achieve in the post. And this was... the question was to um, Andrew Cartmel. Uh, My exact words were, I'd like to overthrow the government. Um, I was a young firebrand and I wanted to answer honestly I was very angry about the social injustice in Britain under Thatcher and I'm delighted I came to the show now I'm not making all that as a political comment I'm just uh, that it does seem strange that things that that you think are basically uh, entertainment for the masses uh, and people are using them for their various machinations and uh, uh, axes to grind but um, why that has surfaced now today, I don't know. But uh, there you go. All right. Um, well, let's... Uh, without any further ado... Oh, well, let's just have one little uh, audio.
9: Hello, my name's Toby Haydoke, and you're listening to the Cultdom Collective Podcast.
3: OK, now... Um, I'm going to stretch the definition of uh, love and science fiction for the purposes of this show, because obviously it's going to stray quite uh, much into um, some films that people will, and without mentioning Darth's name, uh, consider not to be actual science fiction, but almost romantic comedy with a sci-fi slant. Uh, And I'm going to get the one that I really love out of the way right at the beginning and then we'll start the, uh, the chat and it's from City of Angels which some people would say isn't sci-fi here we go
4: that doctor in the operating room
8: she looked right at me
4: and one of them no one can see you unless you want them to
2: fell in love with one of us and if I want her to
4: what do you want to do to help
5: her
10: A visitor? Well, who are you visiting?
2: You. If you met the one you were meant for, I got this feeling that there's something bigger out there. There's something bigger than me and bigger than you. Close your eyes. But you could not sense their touch.
10: I will wait all day just hoping for one more minute with you.
5: And I don't even know you.
2: You could not feel their kiss. You feel that? No. And you could not trust your eyes. I want to see you. Would you still believe? Let me see you. In love. I don't understand a God who would let us meet because there's no way
1: we could ever be together. I don't want to wait for our lives to
5: be over. I'm in love with you. could
2: it
4: be. He can give up his existence as he knows it and become one of us. For a life You choose to fall
3: to earth. Okay, and that is uh, Mrs. Valentine herself, Meg Ryan, who (laughs) seemed to be at one stage in all those sort of films. I just thought it got us in a little bit in the mood, um, a romantic mood. So um, I'm going to just throw out a few names and then I'm going to let people uh, make contributions. As and where they will. We do have a page link that I've just put in the text and this is um, uh, called um, Science Fiction's 10 Most Epic Love Stories. Feel free to actually choose from some of those. I've got a number of little uh, clips to play, some that have been sent to me during the show and I will be playing them. But. Um, It's amazing how many um, science fiction films have that um, love story element in it. Uh, Jeff Bridges, who I mentioned, is going to be making True Grit. One of the films, he was in Starman. Uh, There's a love story element to that. Uh, Even things like My Stepmother Was an Alien, Witches of Eastwick, um, uh, Matrix, of course. It's the the love and belief that they have in that that helps... um, him almost come back to life in that. Uh, Time Cop, um, there's, um, that's driven by the fact that um, the the main character has lost his life during the, the first part of the story. Um, even in Dark Angel, there was um, an unrequited love story because of the um, uh, an infection that was given to um, the character herself, so she couldn't actually be with the one she loved. And, of course, uh, the Star Wars. And, of course, we'll get back to Rose from uh, Doctor Who, one of the real companion love stories, at least on her side. Um, And I'm going to stop wittering at that point. Uh, We've got an expert... Well, just before you come in, I have got another, although Darth is helping me as uh, the guest co-host, we've got a uh, self-proclaimed expert in the room, uh, Miss Romana too. So, Romana, I'd like you to go first if you'd like, um, because um, apparently love relationships, which may or may not be of opposite sex orientation, um, are something that you follow quite closely in sci-fi. Romana?
5: Hmm. It appears to have stepped out.
4: Spilled by the cone.
3: Okay, Darth, well, do you want... Hang on,
6: hang on, hang on, hang on. Sorry, you literally went to me as soon as I was moving my
3: computer.
4: (laughs) Well, yes, we're inconvenient like that.
5: (laughs)
6: Yes. I I couldn't talk. My dad was in the living room, and now...
5: (sighs) There we go. (laughs) Sorry.
6: It's in the middle of the morning. It's awkward. I've got, like, people going out in the living room getting ready for work and people sleeping still, so...
3: ah, oh, they're, they're so inconsiderate families, you know.
6: <laughs> yeah, well, I can't like talk, you know, I can't talk. Our walls are paper thin. But anyway, um, that was the question, Um, Ian. I mean, sorry, Dave. <laughs>
3: uh, I was just saying that I was introducing you as our self-proclaimed expert of the, the, the love relationships in sci-fi, because... That appears to be one of the the things that drives your interest in science fiction the actual interplay of uh, people um, whatever the orientation of them is
6: That's what I watch drama for. I'm not classically a sci fi fan i just a lot of sci fi I watch happen to have good drama in it, which is why I'm fans of those particular series um, or movies. Um, I, i'm in, I'm into relationships i like characters i like character driven stories so as a part of character driven stories I therefore like relationships and romance I'm a girl I can't deny that i'm you know i'm a romantic i can't I, I always try to deny that i'm a romantic but I so am and it just it just proves with like the stuff the fan fiction I read and the stuff i watch and it's just, yeah. I yeah, it's I find it's it's it, you can find relationships and love and all this kind of stuff in any any um any sci fi movie, any movie really. As long as you've got two people, you know, you're gonna have some form of relationship. So, um I thought I oh, yeah, I I I just like watching people. I don't know. <laughs> can you,
3: can you remember the the, the first Sci-fi that was was drawing you in on that way. I mean, presumably this is long before Torchwood and so on.
6: Yeah. Uh, well, Torchwood's like you know, Hormone City. Everyone's getting in each other's pants, and that starts to show. But I'll get into that later. Um, but uh, I'm trying to think. Um, I can't say Doctor Who because I'm very anti uh, Doctor Rose Shipper. I'm very anti that relationship. But ah. Uh, I don't know. It might have been tortured, actually. I don't know. was it evening? Was it
3: Was it evening TV? Or mm-hmm. uh, was it in 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 the written word? Or are uh, at the cinema even?
5: Mm-hmm.
6: Oh, really struggling to remember now. Um, right. Well, it, might I been, tra- it might have been. It might
5: have been
6: no. It might have been actually in Star Wars, actually, um, which can lead into the clip that I sent you, because um, I watched Star Wars as a child and loved it not massively so like a friend of mine or some other people but I got back into Star Wars when the new movies came out in 99 I was 15 at the time and um, I really got into the whole Star Wars so the whole thing with um, Anakin and Padme I I enjoyed even though it was badly acted Um, you know I enjoyed the idea of it Um, and of course I, I'm i going to bring up Slash again. Um, I've, I've been a fan of, well, yeah, it's called Yaoi in anime fandom. I was a fan of that through my teens, and so that kind of led into when I started watching more live action stuff. So I used to find things, like find relationships where they weren't any relationship, like, um, you know, well, Star Wars. Um, I'm personally not a fan of this shit, but I know a lot of people like, Anakin and Obi-Wan, for example. But I try not to get to too much slash here because we already did a whole film on slash, but basically I, I can find, you know, probably relationships. Yeah, and, of course, better, we are we I?
3: are going out <laughs> to a general audience as well.
6: Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I needless to say, I pretty much find the, the love and everything, even if it, it isn't there, um, just because sometimes for my own amusement or just because i think it's it's there sometimes it's subtle and sometimes it's out there and blah and i don't know where i'm going with this fort for fort anymore so maybe she'll come to someone else
3: well i'll tell you what what i'll do is i'll, I'll go around the room a little bit and when after i played the that star wars clip in a in a short while then uh, we'll come back to you now i was going to go to <laughs> Logan, but um, he doesn't seem to have much to add um, because, of course, his online name is Logan and uh, I'm assuming he was talking about <laughs> the, uh, the relationship that was in that.
0: No, actually, <laughs> no, I wasn't, but <laughs> and I really don't have anything right now for you, Dave.
3: Okay. Okay, Darth, um, before I lose direction completely here, um, do you want to come in and then I'll prompt a couple of people to follow you?
4: all right um well I, I think it might be interesting or entertaining to to know what um our our listeners and our participators here think are some of the more um memorable pairings from science fiction from fantasy from genre shows um and that that might lead us down a path toward an interesting discussion so I wonder uh ramona since we we were with you just then what would you class as Your top one or maybe two relationships that you've seen in genre shows.
6: Oh goodness! Um, Really, try not to put my fangirl girl slash hat on here. Um, I probably would say, oh, let me think about that for a moment because. (laughs) Well, I'll come in while you think about.
3: I'll come. I'll I'll come in while you think about it because first thing that popped into my mind was the. the, the Highlander one and uh, unfortunately I couldn't find a clip of it but uh, when his first love who he stays with through her old age is dying and, and they're on, she's on her deathbed, you know she says uh, will you remember me Connor and uh, will you light a candle on my birthday and in his terrible Scottish accent uh, he says, aye I will my love <laughs> um, I think you all know uh, the the one I'm referring to if doing it just as badly as Christopher himself um, but um, I thought that was absolutely marvellous that here he was a man that had all of time ahead of him but he stayed with his one love in the Scottish Highlands um, and she was so sad that she couldn't bear him any children because of course she didn't know at the time that that was one of the uh, limits of being um, an immortal that they couldn't have children, certainly not before they had won the prize anyway so um that I think that was one of the first ones that uh, I remember. Did that click with anybody else r m a loon
6: Highlander
4: <laughs> mike I what what are some there, of your man. memories of uh, particularly important uh, romantic relationships in science fiction?
1: Well, the one that I just put into chat here was uh, on Quantum Leap with Sam Beckett and his wife. Uh, because for most of the show, we did not know that Sam had a wife. And then there was... a there was an episode where he, where Sam and Al Switched places And Sam was, un, was in the present And Al went to the past And we found out that Sam actually had a wife But he couldn't remember her Because he lost most of his memories While he was leaping around Leap Back was the name of the episode And besides that There was Al And th- he he had been through a number of divorces His original oh. wife uh, Had left Beth, him I mean, w- Beth was she? Yeah, Beth he, she left Al when Al was a prisoner of war in Vietnam, and Al finally came home, and she was already in another relationship. And that led Al on a course of other failed marriages. And of course, in the finale, Sam goes back and fixes that first relationship and tells Beth to wait for Al. So there, that's Quantum Leap there.
3: Yeah, there was a lovely scene, wasn't Ooh. it, where he's dancing uh, with her like a, a ghost. You know, she's mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was a lovely scene. Yeah, certainly was.
10: Not yeah. one of the best send off of the show, though. Go on, Rowan. Oh, I was going to say that one—not one of one the best uh, send-offs of the show because you know they said he uh, had Al going, "I'm going to save you," and that was the end. That's kind of like a big thing, and then to stop the show.
5: Okay. Uh, well,
10: yeah, it was kind of a. Uh, let down. But I was kind of hoping that they'd bring in more, one more season of uh, Quantum Leap to finish mm-hmm.
1: it off. Well, earlier this decade with, on, with NBC and Universal, they bought a, a few franchises that they were going to remake. They bought the rights to uh, Tremors, Quantum Leap, and Battlestar Galactica. They were going to make remakes, or new versions of all three. We saw where Battlestar Galactica's, Battlestar Galactica's uh, gone. Tremors had they started a the series that went for two maybe, two, maybe three episodes and was cancelled. Nothing was done with Quantum Leap. But the, the the rumors for that for that new Quantum Leap series, what was that? It was going to feature Sam's daughter from the the trilogy episodes and the I think it was the final season of Quantum Leap. Yep,
3: it was right. It, it was Time Tunnel yeah. in that lot as well. No, no, it was just those three shows.
10: That was really good. News. Hey, oh, cool. Oh.
0: I was Go going on, to say that the original plot with the Quantum Leap remake, also with Scott Bakula, was going to come back as a reoccurring character. Yeah, because he was going to be...
1: filming uh, Enterprise
4: then. That, so that's about the
0: same time that, yeah, he he signed on to Enterprise, so.
4: Now, Rick Wall, I've noticed you put Worf and Dax in text. Would you like to explain that a little more? Yeah, um, I thought that was a pretty classic uh, love
2: story. Um, you know, two different Two people from different races uh, um, getting involved with each other, and uh, um, I just thought, you know, especially when Dax died, uh, uh, I just thought that was a real touching story. And I'm not really that much for love stories and that kind of stuff, Uh, but uh, that affected me a lot. Uh, that relationship and then next, uh, I mean, DS9, um, affected
4: me. You know, I ha- I'd have to agree with you, although I would take it a little bit broader and say that the love life of Worf writ large is, is one of the most fascinating things in all of Star Trek, really, but, but certainly it makes for a very complicated um, romantic relationship on TV. I don't think that there have been some... Uh, Characters that have been explored as well as that as Worf really in any medium because really he was there for you know what would that have been uh, almost twelve years um, continuously playing the character more or less um, and and if you follow just his romantic life it's really fascinating how he has that that the particular stance that he has on what is. The rules of romance are what you can do, what you cannot do, what you should do, what you shouldn't do. I mean, it's a very moral stance. Um, and it's interesting how seriously he takes the whole subject. Um, you know, with well, his, that was uh, part of being Klingon, too. Uh, well, like I think the, it was particularly his brand of being Klingon. I mean, because he's, he's looking at being a Klingon. Through a glass, darkly, really, because he's, you know, one step culturally removed throughout most of his life from being a Klingon. So he he's taking on board the, you know, uber idea, the theoretical construct of what it means to be a, a Klingon, and you know, Dax sort of helps him understand. Well, that's that's just that's just the template for being a Klingon. Actually, Klingons are not as stiff as you are. Um, Right. It's interesting to follow that from you know his first encounter with romance back in the first season of Next Generation, all the way through to his new relationship with uh, Ezri Dax. The transition is really quite remarkable, I think.
3: Yeah, yeah. just going back to very early Star Trek. One of the, the 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 main ones was it was only short one episode, wasn't it? Was it City on the Edge of Tomorrow with uh, Kirk and the John Collins character?
0: Yep,
3: forever. forever. Uh, city city but, yeah. on the edge of forever. Yeah. Yep. Right. Way. He, he, oh, uh, clock. He sits on the edge of forever. He, it's set as in. Uh, Logan, you uh, is it set in the 1920s or 30s? Uh, he, he, from 30s. Uh,
0: basi- basically, Kirk, Spock, and McCoy are thrust back in time to the ni- mid-1930s, and they're looking for for a insane. Dr. McCoy, who's been overdosed on a drug and runs back in time. And Kirk and Spock come across Joan Collins playing the director of a welfare center named Edith Keller. And that becomes Kirk's number one true true love, pretty much. Mm. Between that and uh, Carol Marcus, seen from Star Trek Two. But I think overall, Edith Keller has always been Kirk's number one main love. And just what they had to do in that episode to, to resolve... Setting time back was a heartbreaker. Until we
10: get
3: just, to... yeah, yeah, sorry, uh, I think it's possible in Four. Yeah, Well, the point is that this is very poignant. I don't think we ought to say what happens, but the, it, it is a tragic story. And um, also, it was slightly alluded to in, well, not alluded to, but in the Star Trek latest movie, uh, wasn't um, the ice world that? Um, Spot was marooned on one of the ice worlds from City in the Edge of Forever, or am I getting mixed up with my stories?
0: I, I don't no. think so. Actually, I think it was it just a a, no. a star base on an ice yeah, world.
4: But, but I know what you're talking about, Dave. No, but it's yeah. not. It's not City on the Edge of Forever. It's the Delta Vega. The planet technically existed in in the Star Trek universe before the. 2009 movie. Is it a reference? Is it not a reference? Who knows? Because of course, now by this point, you're dealing with an alternate universe. But yeah, they, there wasn't. A, it was there, there are delta a delta portal
3: Vegas. and ended up in a nice world, didn't he? Yeah.
4: yeah right. it's, it's not. It's not from Sitting on the Edge of Forever.
3: Okay, let's re- let re- well come in on that. What did you want to say, Rick?
2: No, I just wanted to say what everybody else was saying. No, it had nothing to do with the uh, episode itself or, or any of the other episodes. The uh, ice world, uh, it was just an ice world that had a, uh, actually a relay station of some kind. It wasn't a uh, star base.
3: Okay. Right, we've got a couple of people that haven't yet spoken, so if we just give them a chance, Darth, uh, I think, um, Tim, do you want to come in at this point?
9: Well, the whole Doctor Rose thing is nothing new there's, um there's been certain times when you could argue that in the classic series the doctors had a sort of platonic love for his companion and um him and um Sarah Jane got very close and then this afternoon, I thought must send a clip to Dave because there's a moment in um City of death where um in real life, Tom Baker and um, Lala Ward, they'd either got married at the time or were just about to, and um, there's there's, there's one heck of a lot of chemistry with them throughout City of Death.
3: Right, do you want me to play that clip now?
9: Yeah, I think that's a good idea.
3: Okay.
8: Nice, isn't it? Yes,
4: marvelous. Marvelous, absolutely. Absolutely marvelous well i think it's marvelous
6: so do i that's not quite as you described it
4: really
0: how did i describe it
6: you said it was nice it's
0: the only place in the universe where one can relax entirely mm, the
7: bouquet. what
0: palace has it has a, an ethos a life it has a bouquet
4: a spirit all of its own
0: like a wine it has a bouquet it has a bouquet yeah.
4: Like a good wine. You have to choose one of vintage years,
0: of course.
10: What year is this?
0: Ah, well, uh, Well, it's 1979, actually. More of a table wine, shall we say. Ha! randomizer a useful device that lacks true discrimination. Shall we sit this and see? Oh,
5: you'll be delighted.
6: Shall we take the lift or fly?
10: Let's not be
5: ostentatious.
10: All right.
6: Let's fly, then.
5: That would look silly. We'll take the lift. Come on.
3: Oh, a nice, winey reference. Well done, Tim. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's
4: it's
9: it's a bit of a contrast to the, um, um, I can't remember the story now. It wasn't Key to Time because he was with Lala Ward at the time, but it was one of those stories that came out last year on DVD where on the commentary they mentioned that they were oh, ba- barely talking it, um, to uh... each other.
5: Wasn't it the Bay
9: Trilogy? State of
6: Decay. Yeah, it was, it was State of Decay. Uh, or Full
9: Circle, one of it was yeah, in the I, I think, it, think it was State of Decay. And on, on the commentary, people who um, worked with them in the studio and on location said that they'd, they'd had a row or a falling out. And if you looked at the location footage, they're like being dead professional and just sticking in, in their roles. But there's none of that chemistry from City of Death. And they barely look at each other. And then when it came to do the studio footage, uh, which was either before or after that, I can't remember, uh, it was the opposite, and they were all, like, holding hands and really close to each other at the time. um, I I think it's moved on in the new series, and the Doctor seems to just fall in love with whoever's with him in the TARDIS, or whoever's whoever's the temporary companion, because he seems to not necessarily fall in love with Adelaide Brooke, but that group of people on um mars in waters of mars he sort of he bombs with them and he, he can't walk away from them in the end he, he he sort of breaks every law in the book to try and save them that's all for nope. me for now dave
3: okay well just as you said that uh, we've got uh, diane who's not good on mic uh Mentioning it from the the Kirk and Spock, it was all our yesterdays. Kirk, Spock, and McCoy are trapped in the past on a world threatened by a supernova, um, and all the inhabitants of the planet escaped into the past. That's the one I was re- thinking to when uh, you know Spock was on this ice world. That um, thank but, you for that.
4: But that's not Delta Vega, though.
5: Delta no, Vega. Oh, okay.
3: Oh. But that's that's where my mix up was coming in between um, City on the Edge of Forever, uh, it wasn't, it was the all Our yesterday's one. So,
4: right, but if you're, again, if you're Delta Vega, that appears in Star Trek, the movie, of 2009, actually does have references in um, Where No Man Has Gone Before and the Next Generation episode, Yesterday's Enterprise.
3: Yeah, it was just a similarity therefore that he was marooned on an ice world, I suppose, rather than it being the same one, yeah. Okay, thanks for that, Diane. Uh, I'd like you to come in on Mike, but if you can't, that's fine. Okay, um, uh, there's somebody else we haven't heard from, Mythic.hu. Uh Do you want to come in at this point? Because you haven't had a yeah, say
5: sure.
7: yet. Uh, I definitely agree with all everything that was uh, being said about the Star Trek references. I'm not a too big of a fan of the newer movie, even though I enjoyed it. Uh, the classic uh, Star Trek is indeed more favorable to me, but uh anybody any fans or any lot of viewers of Farscape?
3: Well I think a few. I think Mike is. All right, you Mike? And uh I'm, I think okay. Tim is.
2: Yeah. I am um, also. Well, so uh, yeah.
7: what do you guys what do you guys think yeah. about the uh, the Aaron Soon crisis uh sort of love attention uh, tension relationship?
3: I didn't get the names there. Oh, so did anybody pick oh, that up up? Aram, Sung and
9: Crichton and John Crichton in um, Farscape. Ah. Anybody want yeah, to... was definitely
7: a tension builder.
9: I, I, thought, I thought that was great until they until they decided to almost end it dramatically at the end of the season. Depends <laughs> how much spoiler we want to put into this show. Yeah, I, I,
7: I definitely have to agree there. But I think... With the idea of love and relationships in science fiction or any type of TV show or book, it's part of the sort of dramatic tension to have the, the two female-male characters, you know, have that tension. Aaron Soon being a peacekeeper, we know the viewers of that show sort of know what that means. And John Creighton, sort of human-alien in the in on this alien ship, they uh, they did kind of ruin to some things towards the end, I have to agree, but uh, also like Mulder and Scully, you know, there's some unrequited thing, but they're more professional.
3: All right. Okay. Um, have I missed anybody, Darth? It's, it's Charlie, you haven't come in yet, have you?
8: Yeah. Um, you know, I was, I was thinking, um, probably the first one, I was thinking of stuff, you know, like Star Wars, the whole... Uh, Han and and Leia relationship, how how that's how that first I was thinking of just thinking about the scenes in um Empire Strikes Back, how it's they start and in Star Wars,
3: how
8: they, you know, they how they start off not, not liking each other. It sort it sort of has sort of that kind of screwball kinda of comedy thing going on. And then you have that scene in um you know, Empire Strikes Back says, you know, Stop it, my hands are dirty. my hands are dirty too and then they kiss and see three people breaks it up. Um also, I was thinking. You know, I was thinking of just other stuff that I've, um, you know, things from uh, my childhood. I was thinking of something like Back to the Future. All the whole uh, plot relies on um, Marty McFly's parents, uh, you know, getting getting together, uh, you know, because he,
5: could he, uh,
8: he, he, uh, you know, um, there's that whole, there's that whole thing, you know, the whole Calvin Klein uh, subplot,
3: and uh, you know,
8: his mom falls in love with him, and he has, he has to get. Uh, his, his parents together for the, uh, the, the Enchantment Under the Sea dance. Um, and and of course, the professor of, and the
3: professor, of course, falls in love with that um, teacher, doesn't he, in, the, uh, in the, uh, the American West?
8: Yeah, part three, that's right. And they have uh, two kids, Jules and Fern. Um, another thing I was thinking, I was thinking of, uh, you know, this is more fantasy, um, Princess Bride, the whole um, um, wrestling buttercup that sort of, sort of you know that that was sort of my uh i know that's a, an early introduction to um, sort of love and then, and even that you know the whole the the when the uh, the grandfather's reading the book to his son and he, he doesn't like all the kissy bits Which I, that's that's i was thinking all that sort of uh um, a nice reflection of uh, sort of an early male young male you know, you, you know they, want, they want the you know the the sword and uh swash and buckle and that less man's then um, I was thinking over the Star Trek. I was thinking of the, um, you know, back the, um, the classic uh, Star Trek episode, "This Side of Paradise," where uh, Spock falls in love with with, uh, with a woman. And you know, just just briefly thought about that. And I thought about the um, the Next Generation episode, um, in theory, where uh, where uh, you know da- Data has sort of that experiment with a, with an ensign. Try, try to try have a relationship with her, and that doesn't work out. And then I was thinking of uh, um, another relationship, relationship that was both that was in uh,
3: Next Generation
8: and in uh, Deep Space Nine. That was um, you know, Brian, uh, Keiko, and Miles, and how how that uh, sort of um, developed throughout um, you know both uh, Next Gen and and uh, and in um, Deep Space Nine. You know, they, they have a family. Right, just let
3: me stop you there a minute, because Tim, uh, uh, we've got a few things here, Star Wars has been mentioned and quite another, and of course those people listening to later, there's quite a lot of chat going on here, because um, references to Anne McCaffrey and the uh, the, the ship that sang, and uh, Lois and Clark and so on, but um, that clip of Star Trek The Next Generation, is that the same reference that has just been mentioned? because I haven't heard it, the one you sent to me, Tim. Oh, there's
9: this, the outcast this, trailer, clip, this other it. clip I sent you for,
3: was uh, for the episode called The Outcast. No, and that relates... Okay. Right, well, I'll just leave that at the moment. Let's just go back to... Because we mentioned Star Wars uh, a couple of times before we got onto Star Trek. So let me play that clip, because that was one of the things that... Um, Perhaps Romana was going to come back in on later as well. So, let's play the Star Wars clip that she sent. Thank you.
2: I'm sure Luke wasn't on that thing when it blew. He wasn't. I can feel
3: that.
8: You've loved him. Yeah. Don't you? Yes. Yeah. All right. I understand. Fine.
4: When he comes back, I won't get in the way.
6: It's not like that at all.
10: My brother...
3: Yeah, of course, he thought there was um, a bit of competition there, wasn't he? So he was very relieved to find out that they were brother and sister. Do you want to come back in um, at this point, um, Romana?
5: Perhaps.
6: Um, Yeah, I really... Yeah, uh, probably one of the early ones would be probably Han Han Leia. I mean, I don't remember much of it because I watched Star Wars when I was very little. Um... And then um, I know more about the new free movies than I do about the previous free, which is probably, you know. But anyway, but yeah, no, it's definitely, it's a, it's a nice film because, you know, it kind of, and they end up, you know, getting all this, the spin-off uh, media from Star Wars follows, you know, I haven't read any of it, but doesn't it, like follow like Han and Leia have kids and then those kids go off and have adventures and become Jedis and everything. So um, it's, it's a good relationship because it kind of spawns... It spawns kind of like a, a whole new, um, off, you know, um, spin-off media for Star Wars fandom, which is
3: quite awesome, really. Yes. Okay, and what about the other other stories and programs that have been referred to since you last spoke? Any of those ring a bell with Not you really. or something?
6: Not really, no. I haven't watched Star Trek um, and... All the others, no, no, really. Skate, no. The only ones, not, not. Um, the only ones I can think or I went had a little thought. Think. The only ones I've got really to mention are the, some of the Firefly um, relationships. Um, of course, and like um, Wash, and, Wash and Zoe um, was a, was a nice one. Um, and my personal favourite was actually Kaylee and Simon because that was kind of like a something that was developing throughout the series and then um, came to the forefront in um, Serenity. In a fantastic scene where they're, you know, where they're, I think they're facing off with Reavers, and you know, it's all looking really miserable and really bad for them all. And then, and then Simon confesses to
3: Kaylee, and, and Kaylee goes,
10: "Screw that! I want to live."
5: <laughs> I think oh yeah,
3: like. yeah. <laughs> She thinks she's going to uh, get lucky, yeah.
10: It's like, screw that! I want to live. <laughs> and
6: she, she got and lucky she
3: does, at the end.
6: And, yeah, and I love how Ripper is like in the ceiling, like watching them. <laughs> but, but again, yeah, that was
3: another, we've just heard the Star Wars one where, you know, the, there's the brother and sister. In actual Firefly, you could argue the strongest love bond in that was the brother-sister yeah. one. It was almost an obsession, Star-Men wasn't it. it?
6: Definitely, yeah. Um, there was a lot of um, relationship stuff going on in that show. Probably why I, I like it, because it is very character-driven, I find. And that's usually when I the types of series I like the most is when it's really character driven. Um and yeah, like you had um I think Mauer, Mauer and and Nara had a bit of a thing as well. And um you know, there's all sorts of pairings that can be drawn from that. And that's just the ones in canon. Then then when you get into slash and femslash, slash you can go for your life, you know, really. Um, right,
3: well let's yeah. just distract you from that thread for a moment I mean when you mentioned Firefly <laughs> of know. course the actor Nathan Fillion uh, was also one of the baddies in um, Buffy and Angel and perhaps on TV one of the strongest uh, love uh, ones was the fact of uh, Buffy and Angel so much so that they couldn't be quite their love, they ended up having two completely different series <laughs>
6: Yeah indeed, there was lots of I'm um, not that- haven't seen much Buffy but apparently there's lots of relationships in that as well like what was it Buffy was you know ended up with Ranger with, with Xander with Spike with everybody and then you had Willow and Tara and all bunch of people and um again it's just like Josh Weed and then his um relationships they usually don't end well <laughs> no leave it there for fear of spoilers um but but yeah I'll just mention another one from one of my favorite ones one of my favorite canon amazingly non-slash pairings is actually Sam and Annie from Life on Love. Um, That's one of my favourites. I think they're just absolutely adorable. um, um,
3: Yeah. I was going to say, is there anybody who wants to comment on things like Buffy and Angel or am I uh, alone in in, in, uh, mentioning that one? Anybody?
6: I'll jump in.
3: No, nope.
9: it was very it's on. off. So I remember it was quite on off. Oh. With oh. Buffy and Angel. and well, then, then um,
5: Sorry, bu- 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 okay, Buffy's no, Love
3: Life's on. a Disaster Area, anyway. Rowan, uh, I had to mute you a know, minute ago. You just came in after that. Anything you wanted to add?
10: Uh, Yes, I did, actually. Sorry about that. A friend was uh, drying her hair, and I couldn't stop her. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, um, yes, I wanted to bring up uh, a lot of um, text. uh, 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 adventures a lot of love in it. Um, Anne McCaffrey's Brain Bronze series is one. Dragon Riders of Pern. I guess because Anne McCaffrey was quite a um, romance novel fan herself. So, uh, in fact, one of her big love was she wanted to write for Harlequin Romance and so she put a lot of that and music of course uh, into her books but uh, there's a lot of uh, relationships in a lot of her series um, of books that, um, I mean Chip and Fang is a really good example and then there's uh, one of the later books in that same series called The Chippew Um where we have this relationship between the brain and brawn, uh where you know they had have a physical love because she's encased in this in this uh, cylinder uh, running the ship and the has to the guy has to uh, do all the physical labor and manual stuff in the ship because it was kind of a relationship. But what happened was uh, the brain decided to get enough money together from credit from going on these uh, adventures and uh, missions. That she was able to build herself a rob- an android, so that they could have a sort of a different kind of relationship.
3: <laughs> okay, let's go back to Mike. He's put something in text. Mike.
1: Yeah, there was a, on the topic of books, sort of a segue here. There's of course a book series that I'm a fan of. Also, another fantasy series called The Will of Time. It's where I got the screen name Randall Thor from. And besides having long lists of characters. In in in, the, in those books, there are a long lists of relationships. So, like for example, the, the 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 character Randall Thor, he becomes involved in a rather interesting interesting, uh, I don't know, a triangle or a square or whatever, but he and the, there are three women in, in the books that, that fall in love with him and plan on marrying him. One is Elaine Tracond, the, the the daughter heir of the kingdom of, of Andor. She falls in love with him and wants to marry him. And then there's a an, an isle warrior from the, the desert lands to the east who falls in love, uh, a woman named Avienda. And, there, and there's a country girl named, mi, named uh, Min who falls in love. And all three of them become friends and they all they all promise that. Basically, it's a, a polygamous relationship, and they're all go, three going to m- marry Rand. So that's a an interesting story. And he, he, uh, Elaine is well, ha, is now pregnant with with Rand, with Rand's uh, twin uh, twin children in the books. And uh, so that's that. That's one relationship there. Then there's all sorts of others. Like there's a character named uh, Moraine de Modred, who, at uh, partway through the series, she sort of disappears. <laughs> Sorry, part. Um, partway through the through the series, uh, Moraine dis, uh, disappears, and recently she it's revealed that she's actually being held captive in some sort of pocket dimension. But basically, there's another character named Tom, and she he's been carrying around a letter that that Moraine gave her gave him before she disappeared, saying that she need that these are the instructions on how to rescue me. And so and the whole story for them is that they're going to get married at some point, and. A larger story arc has to do with uh, parent. Another main character named Parnebara. He he marries someone named Fayil, and a large story arc for him later on in the series is when his wife Fayil is kept cap, is captured by. By a large group of 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 il well, warriors called the Shido the, the the Shido sect and there's two or three books where per, it's all about Perrin planning his strategy on how to rescue him from a a, 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 a camp of Shido il that's at least ten thousand strong and he and uh, and that's that's his story arc and yeah there are just relationships all over the place in the will of Time and uh there there's one more to mention is another main character Matrim Coffin. he early on in the series he gets he hears a prophecy where he has to bind himself to the daughter of the nine moons he eventually finds that that's the daughter of the empress for an a neighboring empire who's trying to co- a a neighboring empire that's trying to colonize that entire world and Matt becomes the, the linking character between uh Rand and that that empire by marrying the daughter of the empress so yeah relationships play a huge role in the will of time
3: is it, miss it. Is it did you say wheel of time I yeah
1: w-h-a-e-w-h-e-e-l a- e- w- H- e- e- yes
3: right okay <laughs> right, yeah it's, right, a, it's well.
1: a yeah it's a novel series by robert jordan if you want to check it out there
3: <laughs> okay and logan while you're on the thing can you just help rowan um is it star, am i right is it star six if you want to self-mute Logan, are you there? It's star stick? six. It's star six. Ah, well, I was right. So it's star six, it, and then if you click star six again, that uh, unmutes you again. So you use the same okay. one each time.
1: Okay. One, right, one, more, one more thing to mention here is that Mythic Doctor Who put in is that Robert Jordan was writing the last book of the series, which was going to be about 2,000 pages, but back in 2000. Eight, I think it was, he passed away he was diagnosed with a disease uh, amy- amyloidosis, I think is how it's pronounced it's a blood disease he passed away, but his wife Harriet chose author Brandon Sanderson to finish the series based on the notes and audio recordings that Jordan left so the last three books are a, sort of a, a joint effort by Brandon Sanderson finishing up the notes So yeah. Okay, That's and, what and he thanks to mythic,
3: mythic Docu for putting that in yeah. the text as well Okay, Um, well, um, just to take a, uh, to use a kind of phrase from Mike, a segue away from it, uh, one of the films that I want to go and see soon, I don't know whether anybody in the room has seen it, but it's called The Time Traveller's Wife, and um, his love of this woman is is a major theme in that. So I'll just play that, and then I'll go to Darth to uh, see if he wants to direct the uh, show in a different direction. So let me just play this, and we'll ask if there's any comments on it.
4: Through time. In fact, you and I are friends in the future, when you're a lady. There is no
8: such thing as time travel. Well, if you hang around long enough, you'll see me disappear.
10: One second he was there, and the next, he was gone. I've been waiting for Henry my entire life. And you. I wrote down every time that you came to visit me, you told me that you go back to the same places a lot.
4: Like gravity,
2: big event. Pull you in.
5: I'm a big event. Is
2: it too weird?
3: Okay, anybody want to make a comment on that because I haven't seen it. Anybody seen it or, or is it fair sort of film? If not, we'll move on. Okay, definitely silence Darth. I take it as a cue for you to lead us in a different there. direction. <laughs> eh?
0: We need the cricket sound effect there.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
6: I just forgot I was muted. I was about to say um I had I self muted myself. Um, I was just saying that I, I haven't seen it, but I want to, because it sounds quite interesting. And apparently whenever he, he travels through time, he ends up, wherever he ends up, he ends up naked. So that intrigues me, <laughs> <laughs> obviously.
10: But other than I'm gonna that, be yet, singing no, Naked 10, it.
3: naked 10,
5: right.
10: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's finally, the TARDIS work like that.
6: <laughs> yeah. Anyway, moving on. <laughs>
3: Okay, Darth, do you want to move us in a different direction? or Now, one of the um, larger
4: relationships in genre fiction is probably that between Arwen and Aragorn in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And apparently, Mythic Doctor Who has a problem with that. Mythic, what have you got to say about that?
7: Um, I have a lot of problems with the Lord of the Rings films, and... I don't know how much recording time this show is going no. to have today. I, I've probably gone for several days. Um, but with the Arwen Aragorn, Aragorn, in the books, I, I've been reading the Lord of the Rings and Tolkien my entire life,
5: mm.
7: and he doesn't hold up to who he was in the books. He's sort of named, sort of namby pammy about who he is and who he is supposed to be. And in the film... He's very reluctant to accept who he is. And I don't think the the, the role of Arwen and Aragorn comes comes from Tolkien's uh, appendices. It's not in the main text of The Lord of the Rings. It's more of a sub-story that he he didn't incorporate in the main whole story. But the way they displayed it in the films is, uh, to me, not uh, adhering to the structure that Tolkien set forth, because... Arwen and Aragorn, Aragorn growing up in Rivendell, uh, you know, accepts who he is and they meet and uh, she's supportive of who he is and becoming that king. And Peter Jackson, I think, in all of the heroes that he, you know, portrays, really makes them all very flat and reluctant to sort of display pathos, And um, I, I don't see... The trueness of Tolkien's uh, vision in their story aren't filmed there.
4: But, I mean, wouldn't you accept that Tolkien's vision is that there is no vision, romantically, really, except for what exists in some, um, as you said, uh, some footnotes, essentially, to the story?
10: Well, he, he
7: sets up what, that they do have a relationship in that appendices, but it's not as. You know They fleshed it out in their, their own vision, Peter Jackson and Philippe Boy, and they, they wanted to do a little bit more with it, but to me, they don't succeed.
4: But how can, how can you legitimately say that they don't succeed when, in fact, Tolkien is basically silent on the issue? Well,
7: then why would they? they I know they need to portray uh, a relationship on film, but why play with a, yes, he is silent, but why add or play with something that is um, not coming straight from the author?
4: I see. So, so your issue is just one of purity and, and faithfulness to what's there, not that you uh, think that it's displayed a different way.
5: Yeah,
7: I, I've been accused of being a Tolkien purist. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, for me on film, even if you want to just examine the relationship on film, uh, Aragorn is very unreluctant to accept his role, and she has to support him all, all along the way. Even at the end of the film's, He's still, you know, visually, to me, observing his, the, the actor's mannerisms and the way he's putting out, you know, when he finally turns around, he's crowned as king. He's still, uh, to me, reluctant in accepting that role. Arwen doesn't succeed in giving that support to him. And they also did a lot with Arwen's character, which is not at all Tolkien.
3: I, uh, anyway, I would have thought the strongest r- love relationship, although presumably it's a paternal one, is is Sam's love um, to to help. Um, oh, I've gotten his name again. The the, the ring carrier. Oh, uh, that is Rodo. what we
6: call in the fandom bromance, <laughs> which is um, which is love between men, which isn't sexual or romantic sexual at all. That's what we call well, bromance. And Frodo and Sam is definitely bromance, in my opinion. Well,
3: that, that's yeah, also a um,
7: kind
3: of, Go on, Mythic Doc. Uh,
7: well, to me, yeah, I can see what she's saying about the bromance and definitely a, uh, a relationship there. But I think in, in regards to what Tolkien set up with Sam and Frodo, Frodo was the sort of a gentleman. That was sort of based on his Tolkien's experience in... In World War One, where you have the gentleman and the Batman. Mm. The gentleman is Frodo, the educated officer uh, heading into war, and then you have the Batman, who's like Sam, who's you know Frodo's gardener, and they have that relationship. But what they did wrong in the films is that bothered me a lot. Was Frodo told Sam to go home?
3: Okay, and uh, just at that point we've had a few people join us in the room, and thank you for that. Uh, A number of guests, and uh, Jivvy7G7, and he's just Pointed out, um, yeah, and in, that is an interesting one. Uh, but you seem to be talking fantasy as opposed to sci-fi. And um, of, of course, you weren't here. But right at the beginning, I did say that there would be some people who would perhaps think we were strange outside our normal range. But of course, the show is called <coughs> Cult Collective, and we we do cover fantasy and 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 actually, some people would say some of these were more romantic. Uh, programs that actually have a science fiction element. Um, uh, So, yes, that's why it's it's spread. But, of course, then you've put um, that is a great love, a sacrificial love, as emphasised by the film. Is there any other major... I mean, you could argue, like, even in something as as hard-nosed as Terminator, there's uh, Sarah Connor's love, um, first of all, to to protect her son, and... um, her relationship with um Connor's father i mean uh, is that something that should be in our list do we think anybody hmm. we never I mean there've been th- the there've been lots of uh, there've been lots of science fiction films of course where uh, i mean <laughs> you could even go I'm going to really annoy Garth now you could even go back to something like Godzilla where you know They think this is an enormous monster. They don't know nothing yet because it's the uh, uh, the until the mother comes along, and um, we haven't even talked about uh, King Kong. Um, Anyway, I'm getting more bizarre than the man here. (laughs) While uh, while we
4: think about all that, Dave uh, Tim
3: urgently needs
4: to go, and he needs to leave us with a thought about uh, a Star Trek: The Next Generation episode called "The Outcast."
3: Oh, thank you. Mm -hmm. Let me play that clip then, sure. I'll just bet it's only 30 seconds long.
4: A critical rescue mission.
0: We've
3: lost an engine.
2: Teams Riker with a mysterious outcast.
3: find you attractive.
2: And leads to a forbidden affair. Where is Soren?
10: In custody.
2: Now, a clash between two cultures.
0: Don't do this. Soren!
2: Forces Riker to sacrifice his career.
0: I can't just leave her there. They'll give her these psychotectic treatments. I have to help her. Next
3: time on Star Trek The Next Generation. Okay. Tim,
9: has he was, dropped his... Yeah. Uh, Gone. thought this was worth a mention because um, Star Trek is one of those shows that always seems a bit afraid to touch on things like homosexuality, and this seemed to be their way of doing it. And um, they were... I can't remember the exact mission because I've not seen this episode for several years, but certainly the long and the short of it is... Um, the romance part of this plotline is that Riker falls in love with a member of a race where uh, pretty much everyone else on this planet is androgynous and this person's been born how they would regard uh, some sort of freak and they've been kind of forcing treatments on he, she, it it's hard to know what words to use in this case um, and so you, you 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 can watch it through the filter of has Riker really fallen in love with a man here who looks like a woman or there's all sorts of other levels you can view this episode and I mean it it, it was it was very original in its day and it is still quite an original idea but I thought that was worth um worth bringing up I there I don't know if Star Trek's moved on since Next Gen and covered sexuality better since then.
4: Well, I think I think if you're a member of the um, fan base that's pushing for actual homosexual relationships depicted in Star Trek, you would have actually not liked this episode because it's very clearly a halfway house, uh, and a lot of homosexual fans became enraged by this episode because they had been promised for quite some time that they were actually going to get... Um, you know, honest depiction of homosexuality in Star Trek um, by Gene Roddenberry himself. And he had, uh, it's sort of a, a written contract, kind of, with the fans that he made in, in bringing back Star Trek The Next Generation. Um, and i forget what the name of the the document is but it's a, it's a fairly important document within star trek fandom that you know basically it's the the homosexual manifesto or something of that nature and when this episode came along it was sort of a slap in the face because you know it it doesn't directly deal with homosexuality at all it's it's you know code language for homosexuality in the same way that klingons are code language for the russians or whatever um so, although it's sort of interesting, it is quite controversial within Star Trek. It too
9: much of a compromise at
4: the time. Quite, yeah. And especially since mm-hmm. they've never made good on it. I mean, not even Enterprise, not even as late as Enterprise. Do you have an example of a clear, even bisexual, really? I mean, unless you want to call um trills bisexual because they can be implanted within males or females there's not there's not really a good example of absolutely straight up undeniably here's a human who is having a relationship with another human of the same gender, and uh, Star trek fans are some star Trek fans are incensed by that i think
6: mm-hmm. well, well disappear and... okay.
9: I've got to disappear off now because we're only 20-odd minutes away from being human, which has got romances of its own in series uh, two. You'll get there soon. Too. You'll be, you'll be human
3: one day, Tim.
9: Particularly for Annie. But anyway, um, I'll say bye for now and have a good show, and I'll catch the rest of it in the week.
3: OK, thanks. Thanks for the clips.
5: Thank That's you. That's all right,
3: Dave. Romani, you're going to jump in at that point, I think.
6: Oh, I was just saying what was Darth saying is it's it's never clear. But again, you know, it's you can read into things if you want to, like with the classically with the Scott, the Kirk and Spock thing. Um, you can read it; it's in the subtext if you want to see it that way. But it isn't isn't actually ever in the show like like blatantly obvious. This is a homosexual relationship. Um, yeah, so I can see where those people are coming from, not as a fan of Star Trek myself, but as a fan of seeing two different types of relationships in media it's just it's, it would be nice to see because it just really isn't that much example of it out in in anything now these days I find it's it's slowly, but you know.
3: Well, there were, there were t- yeah, there were two other, uh, and uh, just mentioned it, and thank you, Dar, for pointing out as a co-host about Tim. There, um, I mean, one was the fact of the the sort of mother, the mother and child uh, love that's uh, often featured in science fiction, where you know the protective mother syndrome, um, where you know it was only protecting its eggs or whatever. Um, but there was obviously um, the Terminator with Sarah Connor protecting her son. Um, because she thought he was going to be the saviour of the world as well as being her son. And then, of course, there was the Godzilla kind of thing. And then, I don't know whether this is up your street again, uh, uh, the King Kong, the Fay Ray and King Kong. I mean, uh, I don't know. Where, is that cross-species, or is that just fascination, or, or whatever? Or do you want to leave that I,
10: one? I
6: think we should leave that one there, otherwise I could say what that possibly would be, but this is a family show.
3: Okay. Uh, what about uh, Sarah Connor then? And um, I mean, our, you know, something where science fiction, where it's been, you know, the, the humans have come along and they've stamped on, and it's basically it's just been a mother protecting their offspring or whatever. Because we we didn't say when at the beginning we didn't say this had to be, you know, uh, romantic love. We've already talked about. Well. Um, well, yeah, I know. But I mean, I, I
4: would have thought it is Valentine's Day. That is what we're talking about, Dave. Otherwise, we could
3: talk yeah, for yeah.
4: hours and hours and hours about
3: any well, kind talk of talk
6: about every, any form of relationship in any form of sci Right. Like, yeah. Right.
3: It's the glue that holds it together, I suppose. You're right.
4: Matthew. Well, Mythic, who has brought up a, another show that we haven't talked about yet, and that's Journeyman, a CBS show, I believe it was, or an NBC show that got canceled after just one year. What did you want to bring up about that, Mythic? Doctor who.
7: Um, that show was, spent, uh, aside from a sci-fi element with the time traveling, where Dan Vassar, the main character, uh, he he somehow starts jumping back and forth in various points in his life and in history in time, and he doesn't know how he's doing it or why he's doing it. And later in the show, the various element uh, episodes later, they start reviewing why this is happening to him but it puts a strain on his relationship with his wife, Katie, because she doesn't quite understand what's happening to him. And you have comical moments where they're having a party, uh, and he's, he, he knows that he's about to jump in time because mentally something happens to him in his brain that he realizes he's just about to jump back in time or wherever he's going, and he disappears. And the wife knows he's gone, and she has to cover for him at various social events, um, uh, you know, family gatherings. And it, it, it's comical at times, but yet dramatic at times. And that was, it's unfortunate that they canceled it because the end of the series, they're showing, they're starting to really get into why he's traveling in time. But it's interesting since we're talking about relationships uh, and and how they can provide dramatic tension or, you know, core to the show. And this was one that was really well-developed and core to the show because you really want to know what's going on with him, but you, you, you want to also see how it's going to play out with him and his wife. And um, I just thought it was interesting if anybody else has, has seen it. It was on about a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago on NBC, and I brought it up uh, in the chat here just thinking maybe s- some other folks had, had sort it saw it and had any other thoughts on that uh, portrayal of their relationship
3: Well I think uh, Diane's in the room, I think, I'm, I'm sure I've heard her mention it, fortunately she's not on mic, but if I remember rightly that starred a British actor called Sam Kidd, who was one of the big actors in a, a very great series here in the UK, not science fiction. it was called Rome, in fact there were two series of it, but uh, I've not actually got round to seeing it, I don't know whether it's out on DVD yet, but um, it, it was something I missed, but am I correct? Is it Was it Sam Kidd in the role? Uh,
7: I'm on the website now. I can pull up the actor's name. I forget
3: the actor's name. Uh, Sorry to put you on the spot there. And, um, yeah, it, it's
7: not a problem. I can grab the... Yeah, it's
3: Kevin McKidd. Kevin McKidd. That's well done. Yeah, he was well, in
7: Rome as well.
3: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, if, if anybody, uh, history, that was absolutely a top-notch uh, program, that, um, both Rome and Rome 2. Very unusually done, but uh, basically t- takes two of the ordinary foot soldiers and sees Rome, the rise and fall of Rome through their eyes. Uh, quite an adult theme program, but brilliantly done, I thought. Okay, yeah, I think um, they use
7: some of the same sets in
3: Doctor Who yes well well done yes that was the indeed the bit they used for the fires of Pompeii although they lost some of the sets I believe and um, maybe um, I sh- it's about time we should refer to Doctor Two and let me play a little bit it's a slightly long clip I apologise for that but it's from Bad Wolf Bay don't you see what
5: he's trying
10: to give you tell her go on
6: I look like him, I think like him. Same memories, same thoughts, same everything. Except I've only got one heart. Which means? I'm part human. Specifically the aging part. I'll grow old and never regenerate. I've only got one life. Where was Tyler. I could spend it with you, if you want.
5: You'll grow old at the same time as me?
4: Together.
6: We've got to go. This reality's sealing itself off.
5: Forever.
10: But it's still not right.
1: Because the doctor's still you. And I'm him.
5: All right. Both of you, answer me this.
6: When I lasted on this beach on the worst day of my life, what was the last thing you said to me? Go on, say it. I said Rose Tyler. Yeah, how was that sentence going to end? Does it need saying? you, doctor? What was the end of that sentence?
3: we don't hear that because he whispers it into her ear so um yes. anybody want to come oh, in again yeah. rowan? rowan sorry
10: yes um yeah i wanted to bring in about that that's great i mean i i mean some people have, i've been here, see a complaint on the chat about it but actually that was one of my absolute favorite love scenes of all time i think because it was so different you know you really, like two doctors standing there but you know that one is a half doctor but this how the hand had a memory was all part of the doctor and it was part of the regenerative power of the time lords that he had the same memories as the original doctor
3: well they are telepathic aren't they between other time lords in certain circumstances I don't know whether we you know, it was a stretching the uh, the science a little bit, but uh, it certainly was very yeah. poignant the way they did it. I mean, I, I was one of the ones that didn't really want Rose keep coming back and coming back and coming back. So to me, but, it, it yeah. Felt, yeah, yeah, it sounded like, like the best way of closure that they could mm-hmm.
10: do. So now people want the okay. way of getting David Tennant back into the show, having the uh, alternate doctor come back. <laughs>
3: Uh, and I think we've got a pretty clean slate now with the with the the new series just starting. Okay, mm-hmm. is there any anybody who's dying uh, to to bring in anything?
6: I'll say something about the whole Doctor Rose thing. Um, classically, not a fan of it, but as it works in the series, it is you could kind of say canon. Um, but I find that. it's... I don't know. With me pairing the doctor with anyone, I'm always a little bit iffy of doing that. Um, I have no problem pairing in with um, the master, for however, but that's just me. I think it's just I think the doctor should be with someone his own species. I don't know. Call me old fashioned, but um, either the master or Romana or nobody. I don't know. Um, but I always felt like the thing with Rose was it's just it was very one sided. I mean, the Doctor loved her as a companion, but Rose was looking for a lot more than what the Doctor was, you know, willing to give her, and that's Sorry, are you talking about Rose or Martha?
5: Story.
6: I'm talking about, oh, I guess... <laughs>
5: I Ro- guess
6: me.
4: Rose Doctor was not know, one-sided.
6: Well, it's not one-sided, but I think Rose was... had a slightly different view of their relationship than the Doctor did, or maybe that's just me trying to justify in my head that they're not a couple because I really do have yeah. a relationship. I think I think it's I'm the latter there, babe. Yeah. yeah. But um but because yeah, 'cause I'm not a big fan of Rose. I'm really right. not. I she's a chab, she annoys me. But um but the whole thing with the companions falling in love with the doctor is just I'm just so glad when they stopped that with Donna. I mean the unrequited thing with Martha was interesting. But you know once you did the you know the of true love and then the unquieted love then you needed the best friend and that's why I love Donna a lot more than the other two um, but how
10: about Martha about the I think
3: well, that was, was uh, yeah uh, just let me come in again at this point because unfortunately guest 16 have to drop out but they just put in text of course it's Mr Chin who one or two of us uh, perhaps know from uh, uh, Facebook is um, one of my Facebook uh, connections on there so thank you for making it in but he didn't quite make it with his Skype hopefully you'll join us next time and uh, gifts G7 um, has put about the the hand business uh, yeah memories are stored within the brain tissue and there was no brain tissue in the hand uh, and I'm being pedantic. Uh, and it didn't infect uh, affect my enjoyment. Uh, clones should be devoid of memories. But, um, of course, one thing is that um, after the hand had grown the whole new body, for that short period, it would still be sort of uh, chemically linked in some way, one would have thought, with the doctor's brain. And therefore, perhaps at that point, the, the memories came through. But, um, sure, sorry. Yeah, uh, Okay, and, of course, and, the fact uh, that it's
4: not a clone, but, you
3: know. Well, no, it's not a clone, no. Um, and guest 17, welcome, guest 17. We're doing, as we're coming pretty much towards the the last final uphill end of our um, loving sci-fi. Um, I'm pretty much uh, wondering where to to take it. I mean, I did right at the beginning, and I'll just remind people of the link. Did anybody want to pick up any of the other links from this particular page it wasn't one that we were we were um gearing the show around but again one of those that i briefly mentioned was the sarah connor one uh, let's see what else is mentioned i'm not too sure i know all of these by the way the girl who leapt through time i'm not sure about that's that actually one.
6: that's actually an anime movie i haven't
3: seen it
6: but oh. apparently it's really good
5: it's anime that is right um Ooh.
6: Uh well, pre- Wally and Eve. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Quite a few of these are from anime actually, weirdly enough. I was
3: just wondering whether Mike wanted to come in on any of those then.
6: There's um there's 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 Spike Spiegel and Julia from Cowboy Bebop in there, which I kind of find a bit odd. But um
3: And fair enough. Paul Muadib Dib from June and Chanty. Mm. Well I've read quite a few of them. The um the uh, June books, but I thought basically he was hailed as a messiah rather than anything else, rather than a love interest.
10: Oh, there uh. you go. Uh, oh.
3: But the Farscape is mentioned in there, and of course we mentioned the the Hans Solo. And thank you to um, Romana. We played that little clip of her and Princess Leia, uh, so that was good. Okay. Oh.
6: I've got something I can briefly mention. So on Please the do. thing. I'll, I'll just, I'll just briefly mention it. Um, of course, Torchwood. It's pretty much the entire series is one big relationship drama <laughs> in kind of disguised as a science fiction show. Seriously, everyone has got issues and everyone's trying to get into each other's pants. And there's all so much sex and kissing and everything. And it's just amusingly, <laughs> it's just like every every episode's like you know. Issues and love squares, and <laughs> that's probably all I'll mention about
10: it. It's um, you, you, you don't
3: want me to play the uh, yan, you don't want me to no. play the, yan, the yanto. No,
5: no, shut up! <laughs> <laughs>
3: that didn't happen.
5: <laughs>
3: I thought
5: uh, Yes, oh,
6: don't. Yeah, it didn't happen. But anyway, I digress because <laughs> that again you had that's probably one of the one of the few. Um, Sci-fi shows that actually have depicted homosexual relationships—not once, but twice, but three times. Um, so, yeah. Well, what about going back Go to
3: Buffy then? Uh, the um, the uh, oh
7: yeah, Buffy
3: the one. Yeah, the, but the Willow and Tara relationship—that was yeah quite a prominent one and that and that basically I mean, that Buffy well. series went on for seven years ended quite a few so I mean I don't know when they first aired the Willow and Tara but it, it must be going back eight or nine years now
6: yeah well that was quite probably one of the earliest examples that was what in the 90s Um, the uh, Willow and um, Buffy ended about 2003 did it Buffy I didn't follow it so I don't really know so um, there's probably the earliest example that I know of. I'm sure there's others of um canon homosexual um, relationships that
3: aren't. Well, we um, were talking bash. on. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're talking on uh, Mike's show uh, the Rat Project uh, yesterday, and uh, I mean even we were ta- it was talking about the heroes, and uh, they even seem to have brought that in there with the cheerleader having um, a-, a young girl who's got a crush on her now, so. Um, it, it's, almost, it's it almost it almost becomes more. obligatory now.
6: It's starting to come up a lot more, but sometimes it's just thrown in there for the sake of throwing it in. They don't. Ooh, aren't we being PC? But I think it's better done when it's just when it's just woven into the story and it's not met, made a big deal of. Like it's like, oh my God, this is a homosexual relationship. Um, you know, it's just kind of like it's a relationship.
3: You know, right? Um, uh, uh,
6: it's,
2: yeah.
3: Sorry, uh, I was just going to also say one thing we haven't mentioned it in, uh, from the Doctor Who universe of course is in the Sarah Jane adventures we've all wanted Sarah Jane to find love and she in a way found it um, in the marriage of Sarah Jane and, and of course there was a great sacrifice involved in that so one could say yeah. that that was a true um, uh, representation of uh, uh, what's the word unselfish love
4: Sacrificial.
3: Sacrificial, yeah. Okay, well, I don't want to prolong this show more than its uh, normal extension of live, so uh, I think we're at a point where we uh, perhaps go around the room, unless, uh, Darth, you've got another direction you'd like to lead us in. Well, no, Dave, I mean, we're almost at the two-hour mark, which is quite... uh fair
2: enough amount of time Yeah, yeah, coming up to
3: 145 which uh, anything over 140 is deemed a success in my book so um, unless anybody wants to throw very quickly uh, as in a whole new direction of uh, uh, films or stories we've mainly of course kept to uh, TV series with some films and some books Um, I'm quite happy to um, just give everybody one last chance no, nope, I'm giving a well, time. Rowland, did you want to come in, or is that just background noise?
10: Oh, that's a clock. Talk about time.
3: <laughs> okay. Um, uh, well, yeah, that just reminded me of one. The time um, it reminded me of the um, the, uh, time, uh, the time the time machine where our yeah. friend in the time oh. machine falls for Wiener, and he goes I back for Wiener. I
6: watched that. I recently just watched that for the first time, the original nine sixty version, and I loved it. It was marvellous. And, mm. yeah, I did, yeah, that's all I'll say about that. It was marvellous, and I loved the um, the effect of the, the travelling through time with the kind of, like, this time-lapse thing that they did, which was quite awesome for the time.
3: And Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it uh, the uh,
6: new version, and I don't really want to.
0: Uh,
3: very early on, it was... Um... It was mentioned about, another programme was Logan's Run, of course, where um, that developed. I mean, they basically had a society where they just dialed a a number and whoever turned up was your uh, partner for the evening. But of course, um, as the story developed, uh, the two main uh, characters in that looking for sanctuary uh, form a bond and they become a, a real couple in that. So I think we're probably at that point now where we um, we go around the room. So uh, Mythic Doctor Who, you're at the top of my list. So um, anything that we've perhaps missed out? Or do you feel as though, perhaps let's just say, is this a very important element in the sci-fi that you watch? Or is it just very much part of the human story? And that's why it's integral to the story.
7: I think any relationship uh, portrayal, whether it's a love relationship, a good friend relationship, a companion, is important to the structure of writing a good story. So, but especially the love interest and 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 that, uh, whether it's a strained or, you know, full-on love relationship, is uh, good for me at least in you know representation of dramatic sci-fi um, because it adds a lot to the story. You get the you know various points of why they're interested in one another and and their adventures together. Um, Sometimes if it's unrequited, where it's it's not entirely fulfilled, like the Bad Wolf Bay clip, uh, whether it's from, you know, uh, whether it's with the quote-unquote clone or if it's previous to when uh, the Doctor appeared as, you know, a hologram message to Rose, uh, you know, you get that sense of, you get that fulfillment with the clone, with Rose. So it, to me, it's satisfactory to explore the emotional levels of these relationships. And I think somebody mentioned, I'm sorry, I don't know who it was, but mentioned in the text here about that's what they love about the Russell T. Davies era. I think I have to agree with that. Is He added and injected a lot of that emotional... Um, Interest and love relationships into this not saying it wasn't there before but that's what i love about it as well and i do think it's very important in in writing a show but also us as viewers watching it
3: okay uh yeah. two things uh, I, I would agree
7: ask. with that too
3: yeah um i don't know that darth wants to stay muted so i'll leave him as he is at the moment but um Rowan's asking a question about sarah jane i hope we didn't i don't think we gave too much well we did, but we didn't say how things happen in the Sarah Jane wedding but um uh perhaps in text somebody can help you out with that request but Rowan do you want to talk about um you know is it a very important element to the science fiction and fantasy that you watch that there is a love interest
10: ah well um I go way back into the 50s and 60s I guess if you can go and uh we can look at a lot of the fifties uh, B movies and you had like that big love interest in there. I mean one comes come to mind right now is in
5: uh um oh what oh, the,
10: uh, the, the Day the Earth Stood still the day the earth still have Fort and you have um uh too. I mean now that was an interesting love relationship right there with the report with the uh nurse. Um, I can't recall her name right now, but she was a love interest. Uh and that um she's the one who actually saves the day. Well it's Jennifer Conno-
3: Jennifer Connolly who played the part in the recent one. Right. Can't remember the character part.
10: Right. But uh she actually saves the day by going to court and saying the clap to adult uh moto <laughs> Ah. Boy, it's been a long time since I've said it, so <laughs> uh, the actual verse there. Right. Um, but any case, uh that I mean I, I just love the old love stories. I mean, you can go all the way back to one of the first sci fi shows that would be Metropolis, where you have uh that's an interesting love interest right there. We have uh the bad scientist wanting to build this robot to represent this woman who he can never have right uh, and hasn't um,
3: that I believe that's just been um cleaned up or something they've actually i think it's going to be get a, another issue because uh, uh I was reading something about it being um restored or something
10: well, they did a restoration back in the eighties um they they uh where they um they put new music to in fact, I love that soundtrack I have it well the You can't even get that soundtrack anymore, but uh, it's a wonderful uh, soundtrack that goes with it. And it kind of explains more about the movie with the words of the songs than it did with the actual um, little underscoring on the bottom of the screen. But uh, uh, Metropolis is one of my favorite classics. I mean, if you're going to go back that far to the 1920s, then, of course uh there's also book rogers uh and uh where he meets up with uh, com- ca- uh commander oh what is her name uh where he's from the past and she's from the future, and they kind of have this relationship where he's trying to figure out like where he is kind of like a uh, um stranger in a strange land
5: where oh, yeah, he's
10: kind of like. Okay, where do I fit in? Oh, I I really love here, but can we really get a love because we're so different? Because we're just some star-crossed lovers, like from two different time periods. But how how can this really work? And at the end, it does, but uh, it's just an uh, interesting connection between a uh, love interest. But, you know, you can go back... Uh, in novelizations way back further than that I mean H.G. Wells as you mentioned the uh, time machine um, there's War of the Worlds uh, I, I can um, I can go on forever about various relationships you can talk about like in uh, War of the Worlds where you have uh, the, uh, the priest there talking about life after the Martians come uh, and how things have changed and that the survivors, uh, how well they get along, and how they grow and build new civilization underground. Um, that, that's another interesting one. But um, I don't know how much longer I can go on about that. I could, no, uh, that's
3: okay. That's fine. Yep. i. Just, uh, I mean, it just reminded me. I mean, it, it, even in things like Sin City, which I don't know that people have classed as uh, science fiction, but we've been all over the shop today. I mean, this, um the love of Lola with, um, you know, the 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 character, the uh, the the hard nose uh, cop killer one. Um and of course there's the, the, the um the Bruce Willis character who, who looks after the young girl and the young girl who writes to him in prison and she loves him, you know, the 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 one played by um Jessica Alba, the um the girl with the lasso. <laughs> yes. So um there's there's lots of different ones. Let's go down the list and see. Charlie, you've been quiet for a while. Do you want to just um Mention, you know, do you find this an important part of your sci-fi watching? Does it get you more uh, involved?
8: I don't think it's, being, you know, you know, if it's, if it's important, or but um, you know, if it's done well, I, I'll I'll enjoy it. You know, say if it, um, you know that's that's about all I have to say about for uh, for this topic.
3: Okay, well, yeah, that's fine. We are coming towards the end anyway. Um, Romana, do you want to jump in now?
6: Um, yeah, sure um well, I'm um, kind of the question you just asked on Charlie there well, for me, I typically do not watch never watched really sci fi i watch i consider myself i just watch good drama, and part of good drama is good character development, good characterization, and the you know through that is, of course relationships, so I watch things for character development for interaction for relationships so for me it's a big part of what I watch you know so I mean and as a flash though it's also a big part um you know so you know where I, I find relationships and I read different things into certain two characters interacting and I then in my head interpret that to mean something else and and for me so it's definitely a big part of my sci-fi watching my sci-fi viewing experience i could say um yeah probably a lot okay. of attention on that
3: well no that's fine absolutely fine and i think um, we've got other people in the room like diane but without microphones and uh jiffy and a few others Um, If they want to put anything in text very brief, quickly, I will read it. But basically, I think, unless I'm mistaken, there's just Darth and myself to um, call us out. Are you ready back on audio, Darth? Oh, I've
4: been here pretty much the whole time. I just have uh, muted myself a little bit. But yeah, Um, you know, romance is a vital part of life. Therefore, it must be a part of um, virtually any story that one tells, regardless of its genre. Um, And I think that, as we can see here with uh, Romana, too, that um, if you intend to make your science fiction appeal to, especially to women, um, it must have some element of romance in it. Um, And I don't think that there's anything wrong with that at all. I think, in fact, one of the... Maybe the best achievement of the Russell T. Davies era of Doctor Who is that it is now a show that girls watch as well as boys. And it's one of the reasons that it's important, I think, in science fiction to have the relationships is not just because we all, to some degree or another, care about sex, because that's really what it comes down to in the end. Um, it, it rather is because sexual relationships are normal, everyday things that happen to all of us. Being able to see them through the prism of a science fictional setup helps us to understand that setup all the better. It helps to define what is possible, what is not possible, in the world that you're trying to create. And I think one of the things that makes... uh, Doctor Who of the old days be particularly unwatchable uh, at times, is the fact that it's unrealistic. Um, It should actually be that most people would react like Martha, for instance, at the very least, if not like Rose. It should be that that if you're a girl, a young girl especially, and you get thrown into an environment that is strange and marvelous and wonderful, and there's a guy there who is attractive... Um, th- there should be some frisson of uh, romantic energy there, however you want to deal with that energy is you know, makes for the stories themselves, but it should be at least there. It should be acknowledged as a possibility of, for a dramatic tension, and I think you know the fact that it, it largely was absent from you know 70s science fiction, Battlestar they had it a little bit. Buck Rogers had it, but didn 't do anything with it. Um, they, you know they teased this great relationship in the movie that started off Buck Rogers but um it only sort of existed within the series itself and certainly by the end of that series it really didn't exist at all um mm-hmm. you you've got to include these relationship aspects within the, whatever drama that you're trying to tell and it doesn't matter that it's science fiction i think you know in the 70s and in the 80s the mistake that was made in a lot of different science fiction television was, you know, that's not our audience. We're we're not trying to have anything to do with romance. And because of that, they, you know, cut their uh, noses off to spite their faces. Um, So I think it's it's good to see in this era, you know, where Battlestar Galactica has a ton, has not just romance, has sex, has tons of uh, layers of emotional... Uh, storytelling where Lost is, you know, has lots of emotional storytelling. Where Doctor Who has it, it's 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 great to be in this era. And I think that people who want to deliberately live in the past, where the Doctor can't possibly have any romantic feelings, or uh, you know, I don't like it when we go into a subplot that lasts for ten weeks on Battlestar oh, Galactica or whatever. Me. I think that people oh, who ignore me. that part. Um, are, are really doing themselves a great disservice. I'm sorry, well, someone was
10: speaking. Yes, the difference between uh, the that classic series, Dr. You, to and a new series is that you're talking about a children's program, a children's drama, where they couldn't really go into any hanky panky in the TARDIS. And then you have a new series, which is more uh, down mainstream drama, in which they're struggling in the uh, romance. No,
4: I, I disagree with that. Um, In the 60s, I think it might well have been made as a children's drama. But let's not forget, this was never made by the children's department. It was always made by the drama department of the BBC. Um, right. Always from day one. In the beginning, yes, it might have been sold as sort of a children's department, a children's show, um, but certainly by the time to
3: educate at first, wasn't it? Inform and educate. Well, but, but but again, you still have the the formal
4: divisions mm. of the BBC, wherein this was yeah. absolutely explicitly not made by the children's department. Yeah, um, And and then you also have you know the seminal event of. Uh, Barry Letts commissioning a, a, a poll to determine what the actual makeup of the audience was and finding out in the very early stages of the uh, Pertwee era that it was overwhelmingly adult, that it was only minority children who were actually watching the show. And from that point onward, it, it, it absolutely explicitly was made as a family show, not as a children's show, in exactly the same way that it's made today.
3: Yeah, they were all watching Leela, that was what it was.
4: Right, right, or Harry <laughs> or whoever. I mean, there was always and, some and, nod to adult males there. Um, Go on, Romana,
3: what, what was that? Me, I
6: was just to say, with that, what gets me to this day is how John Nefertola, when he was with, you know, had the Fifth Doctor and all his companions, he was all very, you know, let's cover the companions, hmm. heads hmm. to foot and clothes, and right. so and never had the doctor touch them. So there's no hanky-panky going on. But what did he go do? He goes, touches his male companions instead, because that's okay. And it just sends really bad messages <laughs> into a slash right. mind.
4: Yeah, John <laughs> Nathan really, was very weird yeah. about sex. Yeah, that's very true.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, um, let me just wrap up then. Um, a couple of things that we haven't really mentioned. We haven't mentioned... The new movie Avatar, which has in it a, a love story element, um, we haven't mentioned. Um, totally uh, uh, done
5: really.
3: Yeah, we haven't mentioned two or like three uh, UK uh, science fiction programs. I mean, um, uh, Jekyll had a, a rather strange a um, l- couple of oh, e- love relationships definitely. in that. Um, in fact, um, uh, Jekyll's wife uh, had rather a predicament because she had. Uh, Two, two different aspects of a husband to uh, to deal with, it, which which cause some bother. Uh, in Survivors, there's a couple of uh, little love triangles and little relationships are blooming alongside in that. And, um, of course, some of our gang have left prematurely today to go and watch Being Human. And um, one of the things that uh, the three main characters of that, as well as grasping how to live a normal life with their uh, various um, change circumstances, uh, each of them is seeking out um, an an emotional connection. um, And and that plays, seems to me, a more increasing part in how it's been going in Series 2. But I think uh, at that point, we've hit the two-hour mark. I don't think there's any text for me to read. Oh, yes, uh, Mythic, uh, Doctor Who has put... um, um, do you well? you want to come back on any of those things I've just said, rather than me read it out?
7: Yeah, I only muted because I'm folding laundry and I have a cold, so I had to uh,
3: yeah. uh, use some tissue. And I'm,
7: but I, yeah, I posted about being human. They're all having a sense of normalcy, but I, I'm pretty much going to echo what you said. But there are some strange relationships when you have the Russell Tovey character as the the werewolf, and at the conclusion of uh, season one, you see
3: that. Don't give it. oh all right, Sorry. I thought you were going to give a spoiler oh. for this series. It's okay.
6: I haven't oh, no, no, been into the no. series one yet, so I'm taking out my headphones.
3: <laughs> okay. okay, so
7: then I won't say anything if you don't wish me to.
3: I'd rather you not, yeah. Unless yeah, it's in us. just general terms.
7: Well, I think the whole show is, is them trying to achieve a, a sense of normalcy, and we do see some of that, what everybody's been talking about with the, the idea of dramatic tension and strained relationships and, and every, that, the, you know the show having... The character's trying to have a sense of normalcy, which I just tested on there. And um, they all, you know, have their things. one vampire, one being a werewolf, and one being a ghost. They have their own personal things that they're dealing with, but how that affects the relationships that they're in, whether they're love relationships or friend relationships or community relationships, I think they really hit the mark on how they're displaying all of that and how us as viewers, at least for me and my wife, you know, how that hits those certain key notes where you feel for the characters
3: in those yeah. ways. They're having, to re- enough, they're having to relearn again, aren't they, basically? Because one presumes they've had a past experience, but basically in their new circumstances. Okay, well, I didn't really want to open up a whole new uh, movement of the show. I think we've pretty much covered it. So, But thank you for that. Well, let me thank uh, what it turned out to be a pretty good show. Uh, I know we wandered around in the beginning. Perhaps that was me not giving enough direction. I do thank Darth for keeping me on the straight and narrow and helping me out. Thank you very much, Darth. Certainly, thanks. Certainly. Peop- uh, those people who have enjoyed listening to this episode of the Cult of the Collector, it's even better when my co-host. As well as, and this is no reflection on Darth, it's more reflection on myself, when my other co-host Ian, uh, the six doctor, is in the room, and he will be here most definitely for next week's show, which is entitled It Came From The Future, which uh, is mainly talking about um, uh, stories, or science fiction programmes that have aired in the past that had uh, what they, we then thought of was going to be the future and also um, the um, aspect of uh, various uh, sliding doors and uh, hover cars and uh, and things that we thought were going to be already in place uh, at the turn of the twenty first century and on that will be the twenty first of uh, feb on the twenty um, sorry the yeah the twenty first uh, and on the twenty eighth Uh, we've got a slightly different aspect from the mind of Tim Burton as his uh, latest film hits the cinemas uh, Alice in Wonderland we go and talk about some of the films that he's brought to our screens and um, his unique perspective uh, and mind and how they've everything from Edward Scissorhands onwards Uh, so that is on the 28th. Can I remind everybody, as this is the sister show to the um, Gallifrey and Embassy dot Podshock, that on the 20th of February is the Second Life Meetup. It's a sort of a 24-hour event. Um, sometime Pacific Time, which I believe is Second Life Time, there will be a disco in Katrina, Katrina Land. And if you just go onto uh, YouTube and search out Victor First, Alright, it's Victor First Mornington. You'll probably find a couple of clips there explaining about Katrina and about uh, the Second Life events, and that will give you a little bit of a, a clue as what to expect. Um, as you may have heard me right at the beginning of the show, uh, Ian, the Sixth Doctor, his avatar name on Second Life is um, Kirsty Pixel. Anybody else in the room who very quickly wants to type in what their second life uh, name is, please do so, and I'll try and read it out if it's before we end the recording. Uh, I'm Dave AC. Just, um, Go on, Romana.
6: I was just about okay, to jump in there with um, the the show on the 28th of um, February. That so yep. it may I'm I'm going to try my hardest, but I may be calling in live from Gallifrey 21.
3: So Ooh. look forward to that. Okay, I'm going to try
6: my hardest to do it.
3: Excellent. Uh, as I say, I'm uh, Kirsty uh, Footman in in that. Um, just let me say, I was going to give um, somebody a chance to call out about their show, and I think was it you, Mythic uh, Doc Who, that was um, when we were talking about the news. Did you say you wanted to actually mention something at the end, a little bit of a promo.
7: Uh, Yes, Um, I'm just kind of getting around to taking part in different podcasts in this fashion, and I guess since I'm here um, I'll quickly plug uh, my forthcoming book that I'm editing with my wife and colleague Christine Larson. My wife Jessica Burke and I um, chaired a conference and long story short, uh, a book came out of it. It's called The Mythological Dimensions of Doctor Who and it's being published by Kitsune Books uh, kitsunebooks.com and uh, it's coming out in May 2010, um, and it's basically a collection of essays, an academic study of the mythological elements in Doctor Who. And uh, we have Barnaby Edwards from Doctor Who New York, who was a Doctor Who fact checker, and he was a essential part of putting this book together, and he wrote the preface to the book. We have Simon Guerrier who... Uh, wrote several Doctor Who novels, who wrote the foreword. And uh, my wife and I have chapters in the book. Mine particularly has to do with the crossover of Tolkien's uh, Middle Earth and Lord of the Rings with Doctor Who. Uh, My wife uh, and our co-editor, Christine Larson, deals with uh, the idea of viewing the companions as Valkyries. Um, And, again, it comes out in May 2010. We're just starting to begin the... uh, publicity for it uh so slowly it's it's emerging into the public eye um if you're on facebook i have a facebook page for it and you can see some of the uh early press we have about it we have a blurb uh talking about the book from tony lee who's the writer of doctor who ongoing we have a, a blurb from ken deep of doctor who PodShock and uh, leslie donovan who helped inspire the book who's a um, uh, as professor at the University of New Mexico. So that's just a little bit of a, about our book that's coming out in May.
3: Excellent, okay. and um, just to, uh, I've given time for people to put in, just to remind you that Ian is, as I say, Kirsty Pixel. Lewis from California Embassy is to Hartman. I don't think Ken Deep actually does Second Life, but they might get him on. They've got him on to uh, Twitter, so they might do that. Uh, James is... Uh, it might, actually might be Pete Pistol, not Pistol Pete. I think it might be Pete Pistol. I don't know if anybody else wants to uh, share their um, uh, name in there. Um, let me just say that Mike, who's had to leave, that's Randall Thor, his uh, rap project uh, podcast is um, uh, Talk Show ID 21129 uh, And he's just done one about... Um, the Hero Show. Logan, who's been on the show, his um, program is um, Logan's Run the Podcast, and I'm desperately looking around for the um, thing for that. Uh, Romana, do you want to just mention your podcast? Oh,
6: okay. Um, yeah, my podcast is called The Wailing Sandal. Um It's at the moment, we are covering um, Stephen Moffat stories. We're doing audio commentaries, um, and we're going to do one last show before we go to Gallifrey. And then we're not sure if the show will continue. We might go on a hiatus because we don't know what our schedules will be like. But you know, we're going to try and continue the show while we're overseas in the UK, and hopefully, and cover series five when it's on. So that's it. It's the call ID is wwe8 on shoe. And the web address is um, com. So woo, that's
3: my show. Okay, and uh, just let me mention that Logan from Live is Talk show ID 49899 and I could not have uh, missed that out. And uh, uh, that's about it, I think. Uh, so um, with that, um, and I'll just remind you that um, if you still want to do some more talking um i think wes has moved his uh, cia to yet another time i think it starts at about an hour and a half uh, and that's torture UID id 30659 uh, and that's called cia get ready to rumble that's his episode today that's cia Cult them in audio uh, i'll be unfortunately not be able to make that i'll be watching being human Okay, with that, thanks once again, Darth, for helping me out. Um, I need a guide. There's no doubt about it. And thank you, everybody, including those people who are unable to speak, uh, Diane and uh, those uh, others. So that's Mythic, who, Ramana, Roweth, Darth Skeptical, Jiff, G7, uh, Charlie P79, all the different guests, Randa Thor, Logan, Tim, Rick Wall, Diane, Derek, Capricious. Thank you very much and we'll catch you next week and I'm going to play us out with our very short Cultum outro.